The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, a few other things, because I'm having fun with this. Any other award that the Mets got screwed on? I'll give you one. This is before my time, but to me, it's crazy. 1985, Doc Gooden won the Cy Young. Of course, it was one of the great seasons of all time. Doc Gooden should have won the MVP. He should have been the first New York Met, only New York Met, to win a most valuable player award. I'm not one to cite war because I think it's overrated, but Doc Gooden's war in 1985 should be arrested. I mean, it was crazy. They get like a 12 war. The other one, I'm not going to bitch about it. It's just close finishes. Piazza finished behind Bonds and Kent in 2000. I don't really have an issue with that other than the fact that Bonds and Kent were teammates. So you figured maybe they would split the vote. Uh, Beningo would kill me if he heard me say this because this would bother him. The MVP in 88 was not Daryl Strawberry or Kevin McReynolds. I think a lot of Med fans like to bro. say that. <laughs> bro, what are we doing here? Kirk Gibson? My ass, bro. Uh, I don't know if it should have been Kirk Gibson. I know that Straw and McReynolds were not necessarily the MVPs that year. Uh, Beltron in 06 put up some very worthy numbers, and he only finished fourth. David Wright. Probably deserved a lot better in 2007. He finished fourth, but had a tremendous season. And then the other guy, I can't say he should have won the award, but had one of the most dominant seasons we've ever seen is DeGrom in 18. DeGrom in 18. If the Mets won games, I think he wins the award. I think it's one of those things. The Mets just needed to be a little bit better. And unfortunately, they weren't. Um, But congratulations to Buck. I'm very happy for you. Well, uh, not to mention about DeGrom real quick, because that was the year that he was not the unanimous Cy Young award winner, correct? Yeah, I think there was one guy that Steve Summers verbally attacked on yes, WFAN. Yes, yeah. it's the San Diego guy, yes. I remember booking that last minute, and he joined the show, and within 30 seconds, he was gone. It was unbelievable. Oh, that was a Hoffman special? Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't butter him up as well. I was like, yeah, we just want to talk a little bit. It's great. Next thing you know, uh, the rest was history. But... That being said, though, this year was the first year that both Cy Young winners were unanimous. Does that yes. rub you at all the wrong way that, like, DeGrom wasn't even unanimous? And now no. it's kind of like they just wouldn't unanimous. Man, let's just do it. No, you know why it doesn't? Because to me, that's overrated. Like, I think in the moment I would care. Like, when an award first comes out, I'll say, oh, how did this guy not vote for this guy? But a win's a win because none of us remember. How many votes one got? 
Honestly, I, I don't really remember it. And and the only reason I remember that DeGrom wasn't unanimous in 18 is because of what Steve Summers did to the to the guy. Like, honestly, that would be the only thing that would even cause me to, to say, oh, he didn't get every vote. So that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, Justin Verlander and Sandy Alcantara were so clearly the Cy Young Award winners. Like, it wasn't even wasn't even a question to me. It would have been a disgrace if they didn't get the unanimous votes. And and it didn't bother me how many votes Edwin Diaz got. You know, Edwin Diaz had a great season. He had an all-time great closing season. It's very difficult for a closer to win a Cy Young. Uh, the only times it really should happen is if there's just no obvious winner as a starting pitcher. If we just have one of those years where you look around and say, eh, there's no one who really deserves the Cy Young, then I think you go towards the reliever. But it's very difficult for a reliever to win a Cy Young award. But I didn't care how many votes Edwin Diaz got. Like, the thing about these awards, I, I'm, I'm happy Buck won, like, in all seriousness. I, I'll give you my opinion that maybe I wouldn't have voted for him, but that doesn't matter. Like, he won, and that's great. He's a Met. I'm a Met fan. I'm happy he won. There are certain times where the awards have mattered to me. DeGrom winning the Cy Young mattered to me, but I'm also a fanboy of Jacob DeGrom. You know what I mean? I think an MVP would be very special because the Mets still haven't had one. And, you know, when I just went through a few of the candidates, none of those guys are even that close in terms of voting, in terms of winning the award. So we haven't even had an MVP make a run. Like we've had guys who are like, oh, he's had an MVP caliber season. But like you look at Alonzo this season, a great year. No doubt. Love Pete Alonzo. He wasn't the MVP. Everybody knew that. So, I guess if the Mets were close to winning an MVP, I'd get more into it. But in general, yeah, the DeGrom stuff I was into, I'm trying to think any other awards. I know a bunch of Rookie of the Years. DeGrom won Rookie of the Year. Pete won Rookie of the Year. Uh, R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young. That was a close vote. I didn't care that much about that one. I got to admit, like, I was happy Dickey won, but I wasn't like, oh, my man won. I was like, oh, okay, great. Let's trade his ass. Were you into the fact that he won 20 games? Like, I remember going to that game, that the game that he won the 20th game specifically. So I'm like, oh, this is a nice achievement. Yeah, because there was nothing else to root for. Yeah, because terrible. the team was bad. I think when the team is bad, it leads to stuff like that. I remember as a kid, Todd Hundley breaking the catching home run record was yep. a huge deal. But yep. that's because the Mets lost 91 games that season. So you needed things to almost cheer for. All right, a couple of things I want to get to. Uh, the Japanese players that are entering free agency. Kode Senga is a free agent. Very simple. Free agent. Uh, Masataka Koshida has to be posted. And I guess the way that works these days is that once he's posted by his Japanese team, every team can negotiate with him, and then there's this 30-day window. So I'll start with Yoshida because I don't think he's that interesting to the Mets. I, I don't see a fit. Um, I don't think the Mets are going to invest in an outfielder not named Brandon Nimmo. Plus, I think he projects more as a left fielder than a center fielder, if uh, if I'm correct. Now, one thing that's appealing about Yoshida is he hits for a high average and never strikes out. Like, that's kind of cool. I think that's something that fits the Yankees a little bit more. I think for the Mets, you're looking for some pop. I think he's got a little bit of pop. I think he's at about 20, 25 home runs. But I just don't expect the Mets to be that in on Yoshida. If they lost Brandon Nimmo, maybe. But I also think the timetable is going to be a big deal on this. If he's posted tomorrow and the 30 days start now, I find it really hard to believe that the Mets would bid on him. 
without knowing an outcome on Brandon Nemo. Mark Canna is signed on this team. He's here next year. Starling Marte is signed. He's here next year. Uh, I, I just don't necessarily see Yoshida being a fit. The guy who could be a fit is Kodai Senga. So he's 30, or he's going to be 30 when the season starts. So I was looking at his numbers, and I was trying to find comparables. And what I mean by that is we've had guys come from Japan who have been awesome. We've had guys come from Japan, and they've been okay, not bad. We've had guys from Japan, they have sucked. This is not an exact science. It's just that we're trying to look at guys who put up numbers in a league that's clearly better than AAA, but is not quite the major league level. So you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how's this going to translate? A lot of guys that come over, come over young. Shohei Otani came over young. You Darvish came over young. Cody Senga's 30. Cody Senga has pitched 1,300 innings in Japanese baseball. It's a lot of innings. His numbers, they're amazing. Like his career numbers, he has a 2.42 ERA. Last year, he pitched to a 1.89 ERA. Now, I looked and I said, all right, let me try to find some comparables. And I'm going to give you two. And I'm just going to let you know, neither of these guys are going to excite you. Yusei Kikuchi has similar numbers in Japan. Now, Yusei Kikuchi has come over and he has mostly sucked. Doesn't mean he's going to be Yusei Kikuchi. Kenta Maeda had similar numbers. Maeda's been solid. He's been fine. I think the way you have to view Senga, and here's the way I view Senga, is back of the rotation, but maybe you hit the jackpot and he's a lot better than that. And so that's why I wouldn't view Senga in any regard to Jacob deGrom. If you're losing Jacob deGrom, Kode Senga can't be the guy that replaces him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kode Senga replaces Chris Bassett. Okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, Kode Senga replaces Taiwan Walker. Sure. I think you have to view him as back of the rotation, maybe middle of the rotation. And if somehow he's Masahiro Tanaka in his first few years, or he's you Darvish, jackpot. But I think you have to view him as a middle to back of the rotation guy, despite how good his numbers were a year ago. How much does this cost, though? And do you have to put up, like, I remember there was some, uh, if I'm correct, when each row and some others, you had to pay money just to talk to them, and then you had to bid. Is that the same yeah. way? No, so Senga's a free agent. Uh, he waited the full kind of service time in Japan. He's just a free agent. Uh, the other guy would be a posting situation. I know the posting rules are different nowadays. It used to be a blind post, if you recall, where every team had to put a number in. The rules are very, very different now. So with um, uh, Yoshida, it would be a posting. With Senga, it would just be flat out signing him. I've seen projections at about $15 million a year. Now, Carlos Carrasco's back making $15 million. Tyler Anderson didn't get as much as I thought. 
Uh, he got $13 million a year. So probably in that, in that range. So he would be paid as if he's a middle to back of the rotation guy. He's not being paid like an ace, but I find that intriguing because maybe he is, you know what I mean? It's like one of those things where I wouldn't expect him to be, but maybe he's great. Compa- he comes over and he's freaking dominant. Listen, c- compare him right now to the other free agents that are available that I keep on hearing. And again, there was a projection that MLB trade rumors put out. Like there's four guys, which I don't give them any credit. I don't know who these guys are, but they were like projecting where the top 50 free agents would go. And there were seven guys that combined the these four thought that maybe like like one guy, one of the four guys was like, oh, I think DeGrom may go to the Mets. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a lot of these free agents were going to the Mets. But, but the ones that they talked about was Andrew Haney, um, Jose Quintana, uh, I'm trying to, Michael Waka, those type of pitchers. And I'm like, that's not appealing at all. That Carlos Rodon, obviously, is one that, that is potential. But, but besides him and DeGrom, these other pitchers are low-level back-handed rotation guys. At best to me, if you're going to do something like that and you're going to spend a lot of money, which is to, to, for Walker, it might be $15 million as well, I take a risk on, on the guy from overseas that you don't know that, like you said, could turn into a Tanaka. There could be a high reward on him. Yeah, I, Andrew Haney, eh, Quintana I actually like. And I think a part of why I like Quintana is that he got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals uh, right before the trade deadline and put together a 12-start stretch that was outstanding. It really was. He pitched to like a 2 ERA. He was fantastic. And again, I look at guys like that as replacements for Taiwan Walker, not replacements for Jacob DeGrom necessarily. And so if you're talking about the back of the rotation, Jose Quintana is fine. Carlos Rodon is more of the top of the rotation guy. The only guys in free agency that would help replace DeGrom would be Justin Verlander and Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon has been healthy the last two seasons, and he's been great. Like, when he's out there and he's making his starts, and health is a little bit of a concern because before that he had a tough time staying healthy, the guy's been brilliant. Plus, he's a lefty, and there's something about lefties where sometimes they don't hit their peak until late, late, later in their career. I don't want to say late in their career, later in their career. Same thing maybe with Quintana. Well, I know he's had some good years. It's not like he's come out of nowhere. Uh, Verlander... I don't know, man, about Verlander. I He's 40, and at some point, you just hit a wall. And I think we're, we just experienced Max Scherzer, where Max had a good year when he pitched and then collapsed at the end of the season. And part of your collapsing is not being healthy. That's part of age. Part of age isn't necessarily you lose velocity on your fastball or you forget how to pitch or you just your stuff isn't as good. A part of aging is just not being able to stay healthy. And it's difficult to rely. Like if you're losing DeGrom, and I get the health questions. I'm not trying to ignore that he doesn't have his own health questions, but he's not 40. He doesn't have as many innings under his arm as Verlander has. I have a tough time imagining Verlander is going to come anywhere near what he did this past season when he won the American League Cy Young. So as a backup plan in losing DeGrom, okay. But Radon almost appeals to me more only because the upside is there. He's 11 years younger, you know? So uh, uh. now you signed Rodon and Verlander along with DeGrom? Sign me up. I'm in. Oh, yeah. Now we're in business. Now we're talking. Now Steve <laughs> Cohen is just throwing the money around. Let's go. 
But that's what we're wait- I'm waiting for that. F. Like I gotta be honest, every day that goes by now, listen, it's November sixteenth when we're recording this podcast. There's been a, this has been like zero percentage of the free agency period of the of this offseason, so I know it's early. But every day that goes by where there's no rumors, there's no talk, get nervous. Do you know what I've heard more than anything else is hmm, Mets may be interested in bringing back Michael Conforto. That to me is like another dagger to the chest. Like I'm over that experiment. And I understand, like you, you said it, and I think we talked about it. You'd be open to like a minor league deal with him or something like that. But like, there seems to be more like legitimate, like maybe they bring him back and he'll play right field. I got no issue bringing Conforto back. I know we disagree about that. I don't, and it's not going to be a minor league deal. I admit it would probably be a one year deal. That I, I, I would assume it's a one year deal. I'd assume it's, if I had to guess right now, he's going to get, it's going to be less than the qualifying offer from a year ago. I'm going to guess $12 million. And on a one-year deal for a guy who we know what he can do, I got no issue with that. I really don't. I'm not against bringing Michael Conforto back. I mean, I'm not replacing, I'm not saying I'm bringing him in to replace Brandon Nimmo, but he does give you more outfield versatility if Starling Marte is going to play a lot of center field. Here, here's my biggest problem right now is F. Everything that we've talked about is he's not going to replace this guy, but it would be okay and add depth. There, that means so far the team is getting worse than it was last year. If we lose the Grom and we can replace him with Carlos Rodon, which hopefully you know he's you know he's younger and hopefully he'll be healthy, is that an exact replacement? No. If if Nim, if Nimmo's not back, maybe we can get someone to fill in as a fourth outfielder. So far, I haven't seen any improvement. Well, so far we haven't even seen we haven't seen them get worse either. Like nothing's well, yeah. happened. To your point, I mean we're <laughs> we're just spitballing what could happen and where someone's role would be. They haven't lost anybody yet. They 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 brought back Edwin Diaz, but nothing has happened yet to start panicking about they're getting worse. Hold on, hold <laughs> on, hold yet. on. But again, stagnant is not good either because they picked up Vogelbach's option. And they oh, haven't, stop. and they haven't cut Darren Ruff. That's oh. scary. <laughs> Deep breath. Deep breath, pal. Deep breath. It's okay. It's all. I'll let you know when it's time to panic. Okay. I'm not there yet. All right. Thank you. <laughs> no, not, nothing's happened yet. I think we're just so itching for, come on, give me something. Even though they gave us something, they kept Edwin Diaz. And, and here's the other thing too, is the, the fact that I hear and you hear, and, and now this is not a slide of like, I, the Mets need to go out and get Aaron Judge. The fact that I'm hearing that the Mets are nowhere close to even bidding on him is questionable to me. Like, why would they not want to improve their improve their team through any avenue? My my theory on the lack of interest in Aaron Judge is that they are plotting a major, major, major push for Shohei Otani. And I believe that. I believe Otani's on the Mets next year. Uh, 2024, that is, not 2023, because I don't think the Angels are trading him, uh, clearly, based on the signing of Tyler Anderson, they're going to try to win. But I do think that that's the big, big move that they're eyeing a year and a half from now, or I guess not a year and a half, a year and a few months from now. But only time will tell. Only time will tell. We will whip out our very first mailbag Rico Bronia coming up on our next edition over the weekend. So, I'll put out a tweet on Sunday saying, hey, you got any questions? And you can ask whatever the hell you want about the Mets, whether it's current, whether it's past, whether it's personal. Who the hell cares? A little mailbag edition 
of Rico Brilliant. Obviously, any big move will give you an instant reaction within 24 hours of that news coming out. We do appreciate you listening. Pete, you can hear him with Tiki and Tierney. I'll be with Craig 2 o'clock on the fan. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the world-famous Rico Baronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>